0: Today on the podcast is all about growing food, learning how to get kids involved, where to find tips and find different kinds of seeds for planting. Also, making it fun with my guest, Marjorie Wildcraft from the Grow Network. Next on the podcast, welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I want to thank you for being here. And this is your first time. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I want to say I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. I really do mean that. Well, next up, my guest, Margie Wildcraft from the Grown Network. She's the founder of the network. We have fun discussing all about growing food, taking care of animals for food source. Margie shares some stories about some interesting things going on in the Grown Network. She also shares five tips about kids involved. It's interesting. Getting kids involved, they learn the certain skills, skills that can help them in life and help them through things when it comes like a pandemic, when there's maybe, I'm not saying there can be a food shortage, but learn how to grow vegetables in the yard so they it can be self-sufficient if they want to in life, later in life. It's kind of a useful skills like chaining a tire. Yeah, I can think chaining tire would be the one I'm thinking about at this moment. We have a fun conversation, so let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Marjorie. Hey,
1: thank you, Joseph, so much. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you, for, thank you for being here. I really do appreciate your time and spending time to with, with talk about some stuff about growing food. And, and I know we're going to talk about five tips of getting kids to love gardening, but I have, a, I have an interesting question for you because I, I did a little, little little searching for you when I was trying to figure out what I want to talk about, what, talk about today. And I remember a YouTube video of you learning how to skateboard. How did that go for you?
1: I have always done whatever my kids do. Right. So, I mean, even when they were toddlers, we went down to the playground and instead of sitting on the benches with the other parents, I was on the slide and I was in the (laughs) sandbox. And I just said, you know, I'm going to always do what my kids do. And I figured that'll keep me in shape. Right. And, um, yeah, when they got into the skateboarding, I got into the skateboarding. It was really <laughs> good. I I ended up fracturing an elbow and busting a rib, and I'm so glad they're out of skateboarding now. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time when we were doing it, it but it's a it's really definitely a young person sport. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. I just saw that video. I'm like, well, I'm looking for all about stop gardening, growing food, skateboarding. I'm like, where did that come from? But well, that was that was definitely interesting. And then um, one thing I'm wondering too: what is the um. Growing food network. What is that?
1: The the grow network. It's an online community, and like it just blows my mind. We're about four hundred and fifty thousand strong now, of people who are growing their own food with the mission and the purpose of stopping the destruction of the earth.
0: What is like some of the things you guys talk about in that? And what's some the topics and discussions in the network?
1: Yeah, well, we have a really active forums area, and that's that's awesome. And uh, just all aspects of growing food or making medicine. So you know everything from gosh you know can I compost this to what varieties of tomatoes grow well in this area to um, you know what what's your favorite variety of chicken that you like to what what birds lay brown eggs to everything to almost kind of more what I think is the more esoteric and fun stuff we have a woman who is uh, working with pyramids and saying will my seeds germinate better if I put them underneath a pyramid so it just you know really fun group of people that are just uh, one of the one of the characteristics of the people in the grow networks we're all lifelong learners and we're real curious
0: that's interesting about a pyramid did she ever find out how the tomatoes grew it's uh, an experiment that's still going on yeah oh, it'll be interesting yeah. to find out what happens with yeah. tomatoes and interesting too um, the really i brought you on too is um talk about five gardening tips like getting kids to love gardening what is one thing that you like i know you have kids yourself how did you get them involved in doing stuff growing food
1: yeah, well, the, the first thing is to just really make it fun. And I know we talk about gardening, but, you know, growing food is way more than gardening because there's mm-hmm. chickens and rabbits and other things. And and the first thing is to make it really, really fun and, and also to make it theirs. So um, if a section of a garden bed or a garden bed is theirs, that they can grow whatever they want in, or, um, you know, maybe some of these are their rabbits or these are their chickens, uh, you know, really make it theirs. And, let them, and and just always really try to have an attitude of a lot of fun, even though sometimes we may be under some pressure of like, gosh, I really need this. <laughs> just relax and let go. Uh, don't be too attached to results. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are some of the stories you can share doing that with your, your kids yourself?
1: Yeah, you know, a pizza garden is a classic favorite with kids where you're growing some tomatoes and some basil. Uh, and then you make a pizza out of it when it harvests. Uh, so they love it. I taught a gardening class when my daughter was uh, we were homeschooling, but we did a co-op together. And I taught a gardening class to the to the homeschooling co-op. And um, I was shocked. There were a lot of other kids there that really thought that, like, for example, a lunchable was a good lunch. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, "Mm, we got to work on food. And I and some of them had never even eaten vegetables. And so here I am. We got this garden bed going and we got lettuce and we got kale and broccoli and, you know, We got a lot of the other fun vegetables, which I'll get into in a minute, but we had some of these and I thought, oh my God, these kids are never going to eat it. So what we did was we took little tiny cups of ranch dressing and put them in uh, the refrigerator. Uh, We said anytime on recess, if you want to, you can grab a a cup of that ranch dressing and run out to the garden and you can dip a leaf in there and eat the leaf with the dressing. And it shocked me how a lot of those kids who had never eaten any of those vegetables we were, were just that was the funnest, coolest thing to go do is go get some ranch dressing and run out to the garden. They were they were grazing. <laughs> <laughs> they
0: loved it. yeah. It's like I understand about the lunchable thing too. I have a seven year old son, well he'll be seven fairly soon. And if it's not macaroni and cheese, not a lunchable, not a chicken nugget, it's not a food group for him. <laughs>
1: Right, you know that was really the other thing that it, it just these kids and they were growing at themselves and they were eating, it, and they loved it and then my own kids, I noticed over time, if we grew the vegetables ourselves, it was just so much more nutrition in it, it was so much more tasty, and somehow, like your body really knows, and my kids actually really wouldn't ever eat that much uh store bought broccoli or you know store bought stuff but but the stuff we grew ourselves, they always devoured so there really is something to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is, um, what are some other things too? what You know, you're kids tools. I know some of the garden tools can be like very sharp and pointy.
1: Yeah. Perfect. That was actually one of the tips is make sure you give them real tools. Uh, you know, don't use those, those, those crappy play tools. Cause they're going to break and they're <laughs> not real. And you want them to have real stuff. And I know that this may be a little controversial, but I'm like, Give them a knife early on, and let them start chopping vegetables. Uh, when you're making dinner, then they can help. Um, and yeah, every now and then they cut themselves. And yeah, then you teach them about first aid and how to stop blood flow and how to put a band aid on. But real tools, you know, is, and if you can find them their size, sometimes they do have the smaller shovels. That but real shovels, real rakes. Uh, these these are real tools, and and kids kids get that, and they and they and then they respect it, and they they use it. And, uh, and I am uh, an advocate of, you know, letting kids use things that might be considered dangerous. But if you treat it with the respect it is and, and let them learn that, um, they will. There's a ro- really wonderful story. I was reading a, uh, a history of the um, American pioneers when they came out. And this might sound kind of cruel, but one of the first things they do with a baby is take it over to the fireplace or the wood burning stove if they had one, and they would uh, just put their finger on it and let it get burnt, just a small burn, and that taught that child to stay away from that region. And that way, the mom would not have to always be worrying about that toddler getting into that fire. They taught the child early on that that was a dangerous thing by using a small amount of pain. It's
0: interesting history about that stuff too, because you know you, you definitely get a point though by touching it, you learn that not to do that, do that again. It's like cut. Cutting yourself with a knife, you know how to you know how to learn and do a better job cutting stuff too. What are some other like? What are some other things?
1: Yeah, well, I, I will say I went over with the kids um, and I taught the other kids at the collective. Um, you know, we gave them the three rules of knife safety, and that is, you know, make sure you're always using the blade away from you. Make sure that we called it the blood zone. They love that, and make <laughs> sure there's an area around you that's safe so that you're not going to accidentally, you know, cut somebody else. Um, And then the other was always make sure that when you were done with the knife, you either put it back in its sheath or you put it on a safe place in the table. So don't be holding a knife while you're picking or cleaning something. You know, when you're done using the knife, put it down and put it in a safe place. They they all knew that. You could wake them up in the middle of the night and ask them what the three rules of knife safety were. Um, Yeah. And so they learned. So some other tips are to grow things that they're going to be really excited about and some of like the kid favorites are sugar snap peas. They're pretty easy to grow. They're super sweet. My kids would actually like have dibs on them. I think they even <laughs> some of them at some point in time. Like that's mine, Kimber. You can't get mine. And um, cherry tomatoes, a perennial favorite. Oh
0: yes, oh yes. So oh, yes. <laughs>
1: um, a little bit needs a little bit more room, but sweet corn. Oh my gosh, they go out there and they eat that and right off the stalk. You know, just peel it out there in the garden. I had a
0: question for you. How many different varieties of corn there? I know sweet corn, and um, I love corn myself, especially in the, like mid-August. How many different varieties of corn are there?
1: Gosh, there's you know commercial agricultural only plants too. There really are hundreds of different varieties. Uh, you know, there's flour corns for you for specifically for making cornbread or or for making corn flour. There's sweet corns for eating sweet, and then there's other dried corns. There's corns for parching popcorn. You know, that is actually one of the wonderful things when you get into this is all the incredible varieties of things that are available to you when you grow it yourself that you'll never get if you eat it in the commercial food system.
0: Wow. I just, I, I mean, butter corn, this, this time, because up in New England, we grow that a lot, especially, uh, I love the um, cucumbers. Cucumbers. I know my son loves it. That's one of the snacks he eats at school. And it's different when you grow it in the garden and you buy it at the store. The buyer in the store seems to have that 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 wax film around that it Wax, yeah i got the wax film it, it's not like you could take it like if you've got it from the garden cut the ends off and eat it like an apple and it's it's a uh-huh. oh it's the best it is the best
1: It it is and then you can also pickle them the kids love that and they'll pickles all year and um, watermelons are another great one to grow <laughs> and you can actually also pickle the rind of the watermelon so there's a lot more you can get out of it you know and there's nothing like a a hot July day when you've got your own watermelon that you've grown yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, that's definitely a treat with the kids. When that, it? and it's also they get all over their face and and the and the juice is running down and and it's it's a, it's mm-hmm. a summer. Some, when you think watermelon, you think summer.
1: One other one other uh, tip for really getting kids into the garden and getting excited about them is a lot of times bring them in for the harvest. And and that's actually the funnest part of most gardening uh, and growing food. And actually, I, w- I would like to expand it more just beyond uh, gardening. You know, collecting eggs uh, is just, you know, it's Easter every day. And actually, that is a traditional child's job, is to go get the eggs every day and to figure out where the hens are laying <laughs> <laughs> if you have a free-range flock. But harvest is great. So uh, as potatoes, some of my favoriteest memories ever with my kids and my husband was when we were digging potatoes, and we would, like, who found the littlest one? And who's got the biggest one? And who's got the ugliest one? And oh, my God, here's one that looks like Uncle Frank. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and it's just so, and you know, it's like digging, you know, kids love to dig around in the dirt. And you're, it's so much fun to dig potatoes together. And, you know, harvesting also, you know, if you get cherry tomatoes, or Almost anything that needs harvesting, green beans. Um, a lot of times, the kids really get into that, and that's it's um, often the best introduction to it. What's
0: well, interesting too, you talk about the traditional like jobs or chores that kids do, especially in, and collecting eggs. What other kind of things you have them do when you're growing food and lost kind of chores?
1: Yeah, um, feeding the chickens, or um, we we uh, our family every year would raise a flock of meat birds, so we'd get you know like maybe 50 to 100 baby chicks that we would intentionally raise it would be like a 3 month project and we would have them in electric netting and every evening uh, or every other day we would want to move the hens to a new uh, area of pasture or actually they weren't hens they were just all mixed up birds to move to a new area of, of the yard to so they could get fresh greens and that was uh, just a thing we all did together as a family and you know somebody needed to move the feed bucket and somebody need to move the water and then we'd all kind of have to funnel the hens over and, and, and move the fencing. And, you know, really, it sounds like a lot. It's really only about a 10 or 15 minute thing with the, with the four of us. And, um, you know, it was just a really enjoyable family activity that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, my kids got some really good skills out of that. Other things that they would do or be responsible for, uh, you, know, you know, feeding the rabbits, which was pretty simple, just dump some pellets into the rabbit bins, you know, collecting eggs is another one. Actually, the whole family at the end of the three month period with raising the the chickens, we would all over a couple of weekends actually butcher all the chickens and um, process them at, at home. And um, what really surprised me about that was we would always invite some other people who wanted to learn. And inevitably, my kids and all would, in, their friends would all come. And it, it was amazing how many. Of the neighborhood kids would come to, to learn, and we would teach them how to butcher a chicken. It was kind of like a badge of honor <laughs> chicken. And, uh, you know, years ago, again, looking back into historically, when mama used to say, uh, Go get me a chicken, what she meant to the kids was go out to the hen house and find, you know, one of the older hens and want somebody who's not laying and go get that chicken and butcher in it and bring it back to me already, you know, feathered and gutted and ready to go. So, that you know kids that used to be a skill that everybody knew how to do
0: what's interesting though um just when you said about going into the chicken and um home and i was watching an article in one of the local news stations recently about one company that does um lettuce it's up in Loudon, new hampshire and they they did it on trays and it it was very neat it's like a big greenhouse sustainable sustainable growth or I'm not, leaf something i don't remember what it's called but it was kind of interesting to watch because they would start with like a the yarmah come out. They put the seeds in a little bit of dirt, and then gradually over two weeks, it would end up the other end of the greenhouse, and they make lettuce that way. I'm like, that is a very into, inventive way of doing that, and and it's interesting to listen to hear other way other ways people do stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you know, aquaponics and hydroponics and and automated <laughs> systems like that are really fascinating. We had one for a while with my my husband and my son were really into it. They really like the pipes and the pumps and the water and. Now, all the scientific stuff, of pH level and the nutrient levels, and you know they were really geeking out on that, and they they really enjoyed that. My daughter and I were like, Lip, "We want to get in the dirt and play in the dirt."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's something
0: for everybody. Exactly. It's also it's a lot of fun, especially. It's also I think rewarding too to grow your own food or harvest or and um and you know raise the chickens and and use them for meat and stuff like that. What is any other tips you want to share or
1: well, you know, one other thing though, is, you know, I've I've interviewed a lot of, I guess I'm on the tail end of the baby boomers, but I've interviewed a lot of my elders, and I said, what is your most favorite memory of your grandparents? And inevitable, I mean, like 99% of the time, it was something to do with, oh, I was following my grandma out, and we were picking green beans, or I went with my grandpa, and we were um, harvesting apples. And actually, one of my favorite memories of my aunts, who were uh, a lot older than I, uh, was. We went up to Pennsylvania and visited her and she had an apple tree. I grew up in Florida, so an apple tree was amazing (laughs) (laughs) in South Florida and we made applesauce. And so inevitably, the deepest memories that that people have of their of their elders always was around the magic of growing food and harvesting food and processing food. It was almost never that like, oh, well, my grandpa took me to the movies or my grandpa took me to the skating rink or. My grandpa played a game with me. You no, know, it's almost always like we got eggs together or we did this together. So, you know, really that, that, those are the things that, that, that people remember the most.
0: is it interesting too. I mean, I had, I did buy the eggs at the store, but my great, great aunt, my memory of my cooking was she taught me how to make scrambled eggs. And I was like six or seven and near, and I had, my grandma had a big cast iron pan. I mean, the one that you never wash with soap and my mom would freak out because I'm using the stove. But I remember learning how to, how to cook food for myself and learning the, the responsibility. It was very, very interesting, but it was very interesting to watch my mother go, no, don't use them, don't use them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, parents can sometimes be a little overproductive. Another tip I have, and this will also be a little bit controversial, but my kids now are are 19 and 21. And um, I helped also help my, my, my husband raise the last bit of his kids. So I've had a little bit of a couple of experiences with this. And you know, most kids by and large are motivated by money. And then there's another group that are, they all love praise, of course. And then there's some that are not motivated by money, but really praise. And, um, you know, my husband really pointed this out to me. He said, you know, if they're motivated by money, if it takes $5 to get them out in the garden to do something, they don't remember when they're teenagers or when they're adults that you paid them. They just remember being out in the garden and having a good feeling and a good time. So if that's uh, if you need to motivate them with money and you can do that, then then I'm like, it's totally good. Don't have any issues around that, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they don't remember the money later on. They're all like, yeah, well, I was out with my dad and we were digging up sweet potatoes and or, um, you know, we were picking uh, squash bugs off of the vines. You know, they don't remember they were being paid a nickel a squash bug to be dropped in the thing of soap to, to pull the insects off. They just remember that they were out there and having a good time and they knew what a squash bug looked like, and they knew the, the technique for taking care of it, which will be something that'll be really useful to them all their life.
0: Well, it's interesting too. You make like a quarter uh, sweet potato, make it a quarter, make it a game. My son would yeah, like exactly. broom, broom. he'd be running, coming, digging up, he'd be digging it like crazy and getting those sweet potatoes for a quarter. But that, <laughs> that's like a it sounds you know, gamify it.
1: Yeah, exactly, gamify. And the other thing is, is I learned from my kids is you know I'm like I'm an adult, I'm trying to be efficient, right? Like I like I want to get these. They would like. Like my daughter, she would get it was something like sweet potatoes. Yeah, she'd get one sweet potato and then she'd run all the way around the garden like three times and then put it in the basket. And I'd be like, if we could just put it directly in the basket, we'd get this done a lot faster. But that was not what her objective was. She was wanted to run around. I'm like, okay, well at least you know we still got harvested sweet potatoes. So always try to keep it as fun as possible. And gamification is 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 definitely it. You know, have it be okay. We're gonna cut this broccoli and then we're gonna run to the gate and pull this tag off or something you know it, it's it's just just have it be uh have it be light and fun and, and fun <laughs> well another
0: interesting another interesting little bit of transition here um, i just wanted to talk about is um, you mentioned in the beginning before we started recording about puerto rico um, what are mm-hmm. uh, you down in puerto rico now what are, what are you doing down there now
1: Yeah. Well, this is before the pandemic. I've been here since uh, actually January. And, um, you know, this is a small island. Uh, their, Their country went bankrupt. Well, country, I guess, you know, it's hard to tell what this place is, a territory, I guess. Their government went bankrupt in 2017. They got hit by Hurricane Maria. They've been having earthquakes. You know, this is an island and these people really get it that, you know, backyard food production is an essential element to being able to feed yourself during hard times. And so, uh, I came down here and I've been working with local groups and we've been, you know, getting a lot more backyard food production going and working with local organic farmers. And, you know, the whole thing was, you know, go where, go where people most want you. And this was definitely a community that wanted me. So I'm like, yeah, I'd love to come down there and do some things. So, um, been very excited about that. Plus I'm a, a Florida native and, uh, just love the tropics and, um, You know, it was a natural.
0: um, What's the um, advantage of growing food down there? I was curious. What's the difference between growing food there, growing in Florida, or growing up here in New Hampshire?
1: Yeah, I've grown in Colorado and in Texas and now in, um, you know, Puerto Rico. And everybody says, is there one place that's easier than another? And, uh, you know, to be honest, every every area has its challenges. It really does. Uh, So, for example, here in uh, Puerto Rico, one of, the, one of the benefits of being in New Hampshire is you get a hard cold freeze every year, which means you really set back your insect populations. Here, you know, insects just keep going on and on all year <laughs> long. They party, right? Also, it's so hot and humid here. We have uh, more challenges with fungus or mold, whereas that's not going to be as much of an issue there. But everywhere has its challenges. But then again, here, you know, stuff is so prolific, right? You can grow a bok choy in like two months. That's just gigantic. <laughs> um, and it, it's amazing and delicious. Uh, and you can do that for most of the year round. You know, as I said, everywhere's got its challenges. Uh, of course, here, the other great thing about Puerto Rico is mangoes grow on trees <laughs> 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 and chocolate. Now, it doesn't quite come in the chocolate bar, but you know, chocolate grows here. It's actually the seed of the chocolate fruit that you process. Uh, and so I am so excited to get some, that was actually been a lifelong dream of mine is to have some cacao trees. I tried growing them in Texas. That was a disaster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's so important now, especially with the, um, the food crisis, they say that, um, there may be a food shortage. It's been rumored like you hear bits and pieces in the news about fo- food, shor- um, shortages. They don't really talk about that much, but well, you're, well, you talk about the grow network, but, um, you do talk about that and how important it is right now, especially with the crisis we have going on with the epidemic, with the, the virus.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tyson Foods has publicly, like, this is a private company a company that has ta- ex- taken the money to put big full-page ads in the New York Times and the Washington Post, alerting everybody to the fact that the supply chain is breaking down, that they've had to close meatpacking plants, and they are the largest uh, processor of chicken in the United States. and. Mm. So, you know, there's going to be a huge disruption in the supply of chicken. Smithfield uh, Farms, which is the largest producer of pork, has had the same. They've had to shut down their big plant in South Dakota, and then they've been shutting down other plants. Some other issues are, uh, you know, we have not had the migrant workers coming in. So the crops in the South, like in Florida, that would normally be harvested right now have not been harvested. And they're actually, the farmers can't do anything. You know, when you 20 acres of cucumbers, you can't do anything with that. So they've had to um, plow them under. Uh, And also the migrant workers coming in have not come in to plant the spring crops. So in our future, uh, we're going to have meat shortages and fresh produce are going to be very, very difficult to get a hold of. Now, the grains that we produce, like corn and soy and wheat, are all automated like we use big combines and tractors and that's uh, the commercial food supply uh is fairly automated so those types of products will will probably still be available but then we also have the other factor of look our government just created and spent 2 trillion dollars in one month i think for the short term we're going to have deflation but that is going to come back to us in inflation it's mm-hmm. just a basic economic principle so um yeah it's a real good time to get going on growing your own food It's, it's actually an incredible form of wealth It's great skills that that um, you know are are something that really I think is if you're going to raise a child you know you want them to understand how to handle money and finance you want them to be able to read and write you want them to be able to clean up and cook and take care of themselves and they should have some basic ideas of how to grow some food <laughs> basic knowledge you know
0: The other thing too is um I wanted to talk about the home own network. What is that about? What is that?
1: Yeah, we're, well, as we're an online community of about 450,000 uh, people that are really just passionate about growing their own food. Uh, we have the forums where we have a lot of really experienced uh, food growers and, and medicine makers also that, uh, you know, help, help new people that are coming along. And as I said, some of those interesting experiments and, and questions of, you know, like recently, uh, it's very, very challenging to get seeds. So we have a big thread going on of what companies have seeds in stock and which ones don't. Great source to be able to find seeds. We also have some other products and services uh toward, you know, how to grow half of your own food. Actually that's a, a free video we give out. We have a just a huge blog that posts up pretty much four or five posts every week on some topic related to composting or worms or, you know, fruit trees or, you know, uh, you know, planting or gardens or preserving food or all sorts of aspects. Uh, And then we have a newsletter that comes out twice a week with just um, all kinds of articles and ideas and helps and hints and tips for for growing your own food. Well, medicine too. That's
0: amazing. What kind of, like, what is that like?
1: Yeah. So uh, a lot of us are also into home medicine. They kind of go hand in hand with growing your own food. The focus in this time of year in the spring and summer tends to be focused on food production. And then in the fall and winter, we tend to focus more on, uh, home medicine, but, um, there's just a ton of things that you can do to take care of like common cold or stomach aches or fever or, you know, cuts or wounds. Um, and you really don't always need to run out to the drugstore. There's a lot of, of home remedies that are available that are really very, very effective.
0: Well, it's interesting. You said that my mother, I had a toothache when I was a kid, I remember. And the mother had like, the store was like a clove or clover and they use it uh-huh. and it use it to, Numb the pain it was. I think it was. I think mm-hmm. it was a clove. I'm not sure about that. I may, may be wrong, but I don't know if you heard something like that before.
1: Yeah, no, cloves are, are pretty traditional that way. Not only does it numb the pain, but it's also like really antimicrobial, so it'll help kill any infection that's going on in there.
0: Wow, but I didn't. She's like, she told me that one. She must have learned that from her grandmother because I I never heard that until she told me.
1: Nice. Right. <laughs> you know these skills. Actually, all these things I was talking. I, I recently I just signed a deal for a book with a publisher, and they're like well, we just want to make sure that everything you're doing is new is one of the contract points. And I said, look, there's nothing new in agriculture. <laughs> like, you guys, you know, like this is all stuff. You have grandparents, you have great-grandparents. You know, you could go all the way back through your lineage, and I promise you, these people knew this stuff, right?
0: <laughs> well, um, also, one thing, uh, like I know there's a video series too. Yeah,
1: we have a we have a, a video series called, uh, it's at growhalf.com, and mm-hmm. that just shows you how you could grow half of your own food in your backyard in less than an hour a day. And people go, no, I don't believe it. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) get some rabbits, get some chickens, get some vegetables. And so we created this video to show people just what that would look like. It's a hundred square foot garden, a small rabbit tree that's about 25 square feet. And then, you know, just a, a, a little flock of chickens in your yard and you can grow half. And I go through the calories and what a typical day looks like. And I show people like, look, look, you could really do this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing. Um, I really, I really appreciate all the links where they can connect you if they want to find out more about you.
1: The best place is the GrowNetwork.com, And we've got a ton of free resources. There's also free membership and that'll get you to the newsletters. And then we also, we have a, a free library full of all kinds of eBooks and videos and information on different aspects of growing food. So the is the best way to reach me.
0: Well, Thank you, Marjorie. I really appreciate it for you being on the podcast. All the links will be in the show notes. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Joseph. Thank you.
0: Wrapping up, I want to thank Marjorie Wildcraft for being a guest on the podcast. You can find all more about her over at the grow Also, you can find links to the show notes over at no sitting on the slash 88. Hey, please reach out, leave it comment or question, or just say hello. Hey, I'm here. You can find more about me and all my contact information at com slash contact. Something else today was really nice that I want to share with you is every time every time I produce a show and the links in the show notes, there's a thing and a link called buy me a cup of coffee. What it is, is a link to support the show. Buy me a cup of coffee is a website where creators have a way for the audience to support the show. It's usually like $3 donation for, for a cup of coffee. It's actually more nowadays with the expensive cup of coffee, but. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun way to support the show. while back when I set up the link, I was thinking, well, maybe if somebody does buy me a cup of coffee, I will mention the name in the website or a book they're trying to promote on the podcast. And I thought that'd be kind of fun. Well, I finally got one. Yes. This episode, buy me a cup of coffee supporter is John Werner from soundmessage.com. I really want to say thank you for John for buying me a cup of coffee. I really appreciate it. Well, I learned a lot from Marjorie, all the fun things I could possibly share with my son and have fun teaching him how to grow food, grow tomatoes, oh, cucumbers would be awesome. But it's also a bonding experience with family. Well, thank you for listening until next time. Take care. Give your kids a hug. Tell much you love them. Take care. God bless. See you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.